Please be seated as Jane comes to bring our reading to us. Today's reading is from Mark 12, verses 28 to 34. The greatest commandments. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then, no one dared ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. And thank you for having me. I bring greetings from the Methodist Church, especially at Babington Road, but also more widely. For those of you that don't know me, I'm a lay worker in the Methodist Church and I live at Emerson's Green. I've been in Bristol for four years and I've had various roles over that time. Until recently, I was working with Badminton Road Church, um, but mo most recently, I'm working at Yates Methodist Church and at the Methodist Centre at Lawrence Hill. It's a day centre uh, supporting people who are suffering from homelessness. I would like to mention that uh, from the very early weeks that I was here, <clears throat> I've been welcomed into your Wednesday morning prayer group and that's been a real source of blessing to me so thank you for welcoming me all that time not just this morning. Paul suggested that I should say something about what I see God doing locally and the thing that came to mind is that I see the world waking up to the need to care for the planet that God has given us. And I see some signs of that locally, which is what I think God is doing. For example, we now have a plastic-free shop in Staple Hill. Have you been to NOM? It's great. Finally, we can actually you know, buy stuff that's not in plastic. Um, from the local library, we can now borrow a thermal imaging camera for free to check out how the insulation's doing on our houses and other buildings. That's great. Um, we had a, a litter pick at Babington Road not so long ago and I was really over, overwhelmed that a family from the Cubs came along and they came prepared with their own Wellingtons and gloves and even tiny little litter pickers for the little kids to use and obviously this is a real passion that's there around us. This wasn't a church family that I know of and, and they came wanting to be part of that. Things are changing, maybe we're very late to it and it's going slowly, but God is at work, I think. Let's turn our, our thoughts now to reflecting on the scripture that we heard, let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, you inspired those who wrote the scripture and we pray that you would inspire our hearts 
as we engage with your living words. Amen. Every year in the Methodist Church, the conference elects a president and a vice president, and they serve for their year and represent the church, travel and speak and encourage and um, share learning and so on. And they also pick a theme for the year. Perhaps I ought to confess that a lot of ideas and programmes come from the National Church, and my attention to them ebbs and flows a little bit. Um, but this year, the theme that we have is the greatest commandment. And I said to myself, Naomi, you really should preach on it at least the once. <laughs> and I thought this would be a good opportunity to share what we're reflecting on this year in the Methodist Church with you. So I've chosen the version from Mark's gospel. Uh, it's in more than one gospel, but I've chosen Mark. And I'd like to ask three questions of this passage how do we get here? What happens here? And where might we go from here? So let's start with how do we get here? This is one of those passages where it's clear that we're coming into something a little bit halfway through because um, there's a scribe, he comes near and it says he heard them disputing and we immediately think, well, what were they disputing about? So if we look a bit further back in the chapter, we find that some Pharisees and some Sadducees had come to Jesus with questions trying to catch him out, trying to set a trap. The Pharisees first ask a question about what taxes it's appropriate for Jewish people to pay to the Roman authorities. And then the Sadducees ask a question about the resurrection and about marriage. And the scribe has obviously listened in on this, uh, and he's noticed how Jesus doesn't succumb to the flattery that he's presented with, nor does he fall into the traps that have been laid for him. In fact, he's answered in such a way that, as we read in verse 17, the people were utterly amazed at him. And it's seeing this that the scribe decides to offer his own question. And my sense is that he offers a question in quite a different way than the two previous groups of people because Jesus engages with him in a different way, which makes me think that the scribe is not out to trap, but he really is sincere and wants to ask a question in that spirit. So that's, I think, how we get here in the context of Mark chapter 12, but there's another context and that's the Old Testament context because Jesus quotes twice from commandments in the Old Testament and I'd like us just to see where they come from before we move on. Firstly, he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your might. This is Moses addressing the nation of Israel before they cross into the promised land. He's reminding them what he's already passed on to them. In chapter five of Deuteronomy, he gives them a little brushing up on the 10 commandments. And then in chapter six, he kind of sums up the whole of the teaching he's given them from God saying, the Lord is our God, love God. As if to say, if this is the only thing you remember, then remember this, love God. The actual verse is known as the Shema to Jewish people. It's still very important today and devout Jews will recite it several times a day. 
So that's quite a famous and important central law from the Old Testament. I have to confess that uh, the other one, you shall uh, love your neighbour as yourself, I had to hunt a little bit harder for. (laughs) It's in Leviticus chapter 19, which is a long chapter with various laws. In my Bible at home, the title of the chapter was Ritual and Moral Holiness. And when we get to verse 18, it says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. So these are the two laws that Jesus picks out of the Old Testament when he answers the scribe. So that's, I think, how we get here. But what happens here? Well, pretty obviously the scribe asks a question, which commandment is the first of all? Tom Wright, when he illustrates what kind of a question this is, says, just imagine that your house was burning down. What would you grab? You haven't got long to get out. What would you reach for in that moment? Probably any family members that are with you, maybe a pet, I don't know, a laptop or a passport or a really precious photo. You couldn't take everything, even though everything has got a value. You have to reach for the most important things. Jewish rabbis of Jesus' time counted 613 commandments in the law, and the scribe is really asking, yes, there's a lot of good stuff, but what would you grab? What is the most important? What do you need first, your priority, your go-to above all else? That's the kind of question he's asking. So the scribe asks the question and Jesus answers, and he might think, well, that's what happens when someone asks a question, but actually no. When the Pharisees ask their question, Jesus doesn't answer, he asks them another question back. And when the Sadducees ask their question, he doesn't answer that either. He critiques their theology and shows that their question is redundant. But with the scribe, he asks the question and Jesus answers it. Which is the most important commandment? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But he doesn't stop there. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The scribe asks for the first commandment, And Jesus gives him the first and the second. I wonder, is this the first ever example of buy one, get one free? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think Jesus is just showing that he knows the second as well or that he's giving him a free bonus or something. I think Jesus is giving the second commandment because you can't have the first without it. That it's so important they're linked. Yes, it's first and second, but you can't separate them one from another. Really interesting Um, that he says there is no commandment, singular, greater than these, plural, as if they're at the same time one and two. (laughs) Very interesting. Tom Smale says that the true love of God must be expressed as love of others also. And how we understand that second commandment is defined by whether or not you acknowledge the priority of the first. I think what he means by that is that what I understand about God through loving God shapes my love for other people or otherwise. 
thinking back to the how did we get here question, we saw that the first commandment was already very well known, if you like, a greatest hit, number one in the charts. But what Jesus has identified as the second commandment was previously quite insignificant, one of the 613. So Jesus is reordering in some way. He's taking this um, really important commandment and putting something previously insignificant or less significant alongside it and joining them up in a new way. And I think the rest of the conversation he has with the scribe shows this because the scribe says, well said teacher, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw he'd answered wisely, he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I think that phrase, this is more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices, is the key. That the scribe has seen that the laws of love and the rules of religion or ritual are different and that the laws of love are the priority. That's not saying that all these other commandments are not important, they're just not as important, the rules of religion. And Jesus says to him, you are not far from the kingdom. The kingdom where the law of love shapes everything. You see, the temple where these sacrifices and burnt offerings are offered day in and day out, the temple is on the way out because the kingdom is coming in. The kingdom of God whose gates will be opened by God's sacrifice of love on the cross, that once for all sacrifice that does not need to be repeated, will replace the sacrifices and burnt offerings. So where do we go from here? There's so much more that could be said about this passage. Uh, you may have thought of something that I haven't mentioned and that's brilliant. But I'd like to offer a few ways that we could go away chewing over this um, passage. There's something here I think about questions, about the questions we bring to Jesus and bring to scripture. We saw how the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus with an agenda in their questions. Now I'm not suggesting that we come to scripture trying to trick Jesus or catch him out, <laughs> but I just wonder if sometimes it's worth asking if we have an agenda. Do we have an answer that we already think is right, that we're looking to confirm when we come to scripture? Or do we come with more of the scribe's attitude that he's open and honestly wanting to hear what Jesus has to say. Maybe it's worth thinking about that from time to time. Or maybe we want to go away thinking about that relationship between the first and the second commandment. The first commandment seems to be a kind of upward journey into the love of God. And yet it's inextricably linked from the second commandment, which is a kind of downward journey in humility and service into loving others a journey which reflects how Jesus is described in Philippians chapter two as making himself nothing, being found in human form. So how does that work? An upward journey into God and a, a downward journey into humble service of our neighbors. You can figure that out and let me know. <laughs> but the thing that really touched me personally when I read this passage was the word all. 
which comes up a lot, as you've probably noticed. <laughs> it's only very recently that I've come to start to understand how much we read the Bible through the um, spectacles of our own personality. Someone's been helping me recently see how driven I am by perfection and self-criticism. So when I read this passage, uh, the old Naomi read all, 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 all and started saying, oh, you're, you're not there. <laughs> you're definitely not loving with all your heart and with all your mind. And it started to become quite negative and self-critical. But then I thought, actually, is what God is saying that we need to love with our whole selves. And I remembered what my friend had said to me, that my job is to love my God as the Naomiest Naomi that I possibly can. I wonder if this resonates with you. Can you love God with the youiest you that you can be? Whatever we go away with from this passage, something I've mentioned or something different, Let's allow the immeasurable grace of God to overwhelm us because we need to remember that, yes, we are commanded to love, but we love because God first loved us with our hang-ups and our inconsistencies, <clears throat> our flaws and our sometimes unhelpful personality traits. We love because God first loved us. Let's just sit with that for a moment in the quietness. Lord God, may your spirit allow this truth to permeate our hearts that we love because you first loved us and may it also shape our lives. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just pray for Naomi before she, before she sits down again. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Naomi. We thank you for her gifts. Thank you for her heart for you. We pray that she would return to the Methodist Church in Yate and to Lawrence Hill with a renewed sense of vigour and a sense of your calling upon her life. And we pray for your blessing upon those communities and the work that they do. In the name of Christ. Amen.